This is a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. Well, good evening, good evening. I'm going to take a seat again tonight and uh, I want to talk about tradition. I want to talk about tradition. Uh, If you were an American and you woke up on Wednesday the 22nd of February and you turned on the Today Show, you would have seen an interview with Mark Wahlberg, the actor. And on Mark Wahlberg's forehead, you would have seen a cross of ash. And he told the story afterwards that he rocked up on Wednesday the 22nd of February to the Today Show with this cross of ash on his forehead. And they were like, oh, it's time to go to makeup. Should we wipe that? Should we get that off there? That's a bit, doesn't really make any sense. And he's like, no. Nope, I'm going to wear this cross of ash proudly on my forehead. And Mark Wahlberg continues to do an entire interview on the Today Show, just randomly about one of his upcoming movies, with a cross of ash on his forehead. There is this tradition in Christianity called Ash Wednesday. And Ash Wednesday happens before Easter, and it's a very special day in the Christian calendar. But Baptists don't usually practice it. But I thought tradition can be good. So I want to teach you something that Christians all over the world do, not because they have to or because it's mandated in the scripture, but because it's a great symbolic reminder of grace. I thought I'd break down um, Christianity for you. Let's have a look at this pie chart here. Uh, Here is us, the green, the Baptists. Go us. A fair chunk of the pie. Fair chunk of the pie. Then we got the the Lutherans over here a little bit smaller. That's what I grew up in. Presbyterians are killing it. Non-denom, this is the one section of the pie that's continuing to grow. Uniting, still very big. That's Orthodox, like Eastern Orthodox. Uh, Then we got uh, Pentecostal. That's, I apologise. That sounds like some sort of a weird cult, doesn't it? Bring your your puppies on Sunday. Pentecostal. Pentecostal, that's meant to say. Uh, Look, the Baptists, we're just edging out the Pentecostals, so go and tell your Pentecostal friends that uh, we've got the win. Um, But don't step up to any uniting people because, yeah. And then we have the big chunk of the pie is the Catholics, uh, although it is important to note that many people who might claim themselves to be Catholic on a census um, might be claiming that because they were baptised as an infant, not particularly because they're attending services on a Sunday. Now, if I was to take this pie chart and say, uh, how much of the Christian world, both Protestant and Catholic, practice Ash Wednesday, it would look like this. Of all the denominations, this many Christians in the world practice what we call Ash Wednesday, and this many don't practice Ash Wednesday. So to be very clear, Ash Wednesday is practiced by the Catholics, the Unitings, the Presbyterians, the Anglicans, in, any, um, in, all those, in all those churches. It's not practiced by the Pentecostals and the Baptists, and so we form this little bit of the pie chart over here. Nonetheless, I think tradition can be very important, can be very powerful for us. Can be great, um, sim- there's a lot of symbolism in tradition that can help us understand our faith. So, my sermon tonight is called Ash Identity. First of all, let me give you a quick rundown of what Ash Wednesday is. Basically, the pastor 
dips his thumb in some ash and puts a cross on your forehead. And then, if you're really committed, you'll leave that ash cross on your forehead the entire day as you go about your day shopping. Uh, me and my sisters, we like to stay home that day. <laughs> Just watch TV with a ash cross. This is what Ash Wednesday is. It's practiced by most Christians. It is deeply symbolic. It's a tradition. It's not a biblical practice. And it's celebrated every year 46 days before Easter, which is always on a Wednesday. Ash Wednesday. It's a very simple thing. But what does it teach us? What could a, what could a cross of ash on our forehead teach us? The first thing it teaches us about is our morality. Our morality. We are humans. Mortality. <laughs> I was in my serious voice then too. That's what makes it worse. You know, I have to, when I go to the podcast editing, I have to cut that part out and pretend I didn't make a stuff up. You know, when you're in the serious voice and you stuff a word like that up, you know, something's, in, you know, something's wrong. Oh, no. Mortality. You all knew what I was talking about. But it's, it's important to be moral as well. But mortality. Basically, that means you are flesh and bone and this body of yours is going to cease to exist. Our mortality. The Encyclopedia of Britannica says this about Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday is a solemn reminder of human mortality. Uh, Genesis 2.7 says, Then the Lord formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. God picks up a handful of dust and breathes life into it. And without that breath of life, without the breath of God... We are just dust. You are dust. What a compliment that is. Tonk, you're a dusty fella. Henry, so dusty. Just, you are dust, mate. Oh, Ashley, dust. Dust. Maddie, dust. We are dust. We are dust. Genesis 3.19, for dust you are and to dust you will return. This body of yours will be buried or burned and you'll become ash, dust eventually. This is an inspiring sermon, isn't it? Abraham, the father of faith, is talking to God. Talking to God, God is about to make a big decision to destroy a couple of cities. And Abraham's like, please God, let me speak to you. And, God, and Abraham has this conversation with God and like they go back and forth and he's trying to convince God not to, not to destroy a couple of cities. And Abraham says, who am I? I am nothing but dust and ashes and yet I can talk to the creator of the universe. Abraham, the father of faith, I am nothing but dust and ashes ashes. Our mortality reminds us, it reminds us that we are not God. We are not God. We are dust. We are made by God, but we are not God. We are mortal. This body of ours, it will come to an end. We are mortal. We live and we die, this body 
of ours. Our flesh will pass away. Mortal. Without God, we're just dust until he breathes into our lungs. And so a pastor will put some dust on your forehead to really encourage you and say, you are mortal, you are dust. Sometimes they literally say things like that as they're doing it. Remember, you are mortal. You are not God. It's an important thing to remember. Sometimes um, when we get a little bit too... um, egotistical we can think that we are God we can try control the world around us try control things as a pastor it can be so easy for me to try and control the church control situations control the ministry but the truth is I need to remember I am dust and it's only when God breathes into me that I can outwork his plan and his purpose and I actually need to trust him to be God he builds his church. I'm not God. I am simply mortal. I am dust. It also reminds us of our mistakes. Throughout the Bible, ashes have been a symbol of repentance, essentially a symbol of like having a heart change, actually deciding, I want to change. And so what people throughout the Bible have done is covered themselves in ash and wear sackcloth to be like, God, I am humbling myself before you and I'm acknowledging that I am not God and I'm gonna, I'm gonna kneel before you, realize I'm just dust and truly change my ways. Truly find healing from my mistakes. Ashes were used as a symbol of repentance, a genuine desire to change. And here's some examples. In Job 42.6, Wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. To come before God himself, kneeling in the dust, covered in ash, not worrying about what I look like, not putting on my Sunday best, not performative religion where I raise my hands and try to show off. No, humbly coming in dust and ash, I repent, I change. That word just means I change. Another example in Jonah 3, 5 uh, to 9, it talks about repentance and the city of Nineveh, who when they turned to God, they covered themselves in ash as a symbol of their humility and their desire to change. Or in Jer- Jeremiah 6, 26 is another scripture if you want to look that up when you get home. Another example, uh, Jesus says this. Jesus himself says in Matthew eleven twenty one, 21, Woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Jesus, like, condemning a city that, you know, is refusing to recognize him in a sense. And he says, Woe to you. I've done, I've shown miracles. I've revealed myself. If it happened anywhere else, they would have covered themselves in sackcloth. They would have covered themselves in ashes and turned and repented and changed their ways. This is important because God does hate sin. Sin, just the word that means mistakes, really. He hates all the mistakes. He hates all the things we do wrong. God is holy. He does hate sin. But I'm not that kind of preacher, (laughs) I was thinking about this as I was preparing this sermon and uh, I was thinking about when I went to schoolies as a 17-year-old because in Queensland, you graduate a year early. But just because you're 17 
doesn't mean it changes your behavior with alcohol at schoolies when you're 17 and everyone's going to the Gold Coast. And I had a very bad experience with alcohol at 17 years old in the Gold Coast. So much so that I wouldn't recommend anyone go through it. A terrible experience with alcohol. And I remember as you walk through the streets of the Gold Coast, there were these people holding up signs. And they were like, they were like holding up these signs like, God hates sin. Repent. Change. Like, like angry people. A lot of people made fun of them on schoolies. Not many people changed their ways. God is forgiving, I believe. He's welcoming. The night after I had a terrible experience with alcohol on the Gold Coast, I woke up and I went to church in the Gold Coast. And I was gone from our hotel room for like two hours. And when I got back, the boys were like, where have you been? I was like, I was at church. Because when I make my mistakes, when I know my life has sin, I know where to run. I know who to go to. He's not like picketing, God's not there picketing at me like, you feel, you know, he's being like, come, come back to me. Turn around, turn around. When I was in primary school, year one, I had, I've always been a theological thinker even in year one. And I remember one time I said to my teacher, because I had a big problem in my life, Tonk, in year one. And my problem was that any time I went outside in bare feet, sometimes I'd stand on a prickle. And in year one, I had this profound thought, if God is so good, why are there prickles? If God is so good, he can create something beautiful and perfect and he can make a beautiful world, then why would I be able to walk outside of my house and stand on a prickle? And I remember I said to my year one teacher, if God is so good, why are there prickles? And she said, and this is what we all should do when people ask us big questions, she said, hmm, haven't thought of that one. (laughs) haven't thought of that one and she said and this is profound she said let me have a think about it and I'll get back to you let me have a think about it and I'll get back to you you know this teacher a week later when I'd long forgotten the question came back to me can you believe that she actually went and did some research and she talked to Pastor Keller, our Lutheran pastor, who was the cha- also worked as the chaplain at the school. She goes back into her, her, her week. She goes and does some research. She goes and talks to a pastor so that she can answer a year one student their question, if God is so good, why would there be prickles? So let me find it to, for you. Uh, let me see here. Let me see. She found a very specific scripture. Uh, it's going to be past here. Do, 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 Give me one second. Give, just sorry, one second. I'm doing my research. I should have saved this beforehand. Uh, it's definitely somewhere in here. Well, just let me give you 
the pretty much the easy details. Pain in childbirth. Bruise your head and your heel. Because you have listened to the voice of evil and eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shouldn't eat that. So because you ate the apple, cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth. Wow. And so as a year one kid, this teacher went off and found this Bible verse. And it was like, oh, wow. That's why there's prickles. Because the world is fallen. I've never had a problem why bad things happen in a good, good world. Because I just know the world is fallen. I learned that in year one with a teacher who was diligent to go and do some research. I don't think God just hates sin. God hates everything about the fall. God doesn't just hate sin. He hates prickles. God hates prickles. God hates prickles. What is it? Um, Love the sinner, hate the sin. That's what they say. It's like a cliche sentence. Let's think about one for prickles. Um, Love the grass bush, hate the prickles. (laughs) You with me? But I don't want to focus on um, mortality and I don't want to focus on our mistakes. I really don't. We must humbly turn to God. So, when we put the ash on our forehead, it's a sign that I'm humbling myself and changing my ways, turning to God, because the most important part of this tradition is the cross, the symbol of the cross. What does the cross mean to me? What does the cross mean to you? It reminds us of our new identity in Christ, not in mortality, sin and death. This sermon was called Ash Identity, and your identity is dust. You are but dust. And your identity is, well, you're a sinner. This is part of your identity. You are dust, and your body's going to turn back to dust. And you know what? You're also a sinner, and you can come to church every Sunday, but I know you're going to keep making mistakes because that's the way life is, and we should try and do better, and we should try and not make mistakes. Like, that's, you know, that's how some people preach. It's like the two-minute sermon, the 60-second sermon, the 10-second sermon. Just get up, and you open the Bible, and you say, God says, stop being an idiot. How easy is that for us to live out? I know you're going to keep making mistakes. That's part of your identity. You are a sinner and you are mortal, but you've also been raised to life in Christ by the cross. You are a new creation because of what Christ did on the cross. A new creation. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For death, he died. He died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. You are dust. You are a sinner. 
but you are dead to sin and alive in Christ by the work of the cross. That too is part of your identity. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. And death is not the end. You are one of my favourite songs at the moment. Death is not the end by Maverick City Music. You are. Death is not the end. Yes, I have this identity of I'm, I'm mortal and I'm not God and I'm dust and I have this identity of I know I'm a sinner and I make mistakes. But, but death is not the end. God is. God is. You are dust and to dust you will return, but death is not the end. Your identity is in Christ. A story to sort of sum up my whole sermon here. And um, I think it is a beautiful tradition. On June 17th, 2015, in Charleston, a Bible study was happening with a bunch of members from the African-American community, mostly women. And a Bible study was happening at Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church. With a name like that, they probably practiced Ash Wednesday. They're probably one of those denominations. And so at this church in Charleston, a bunch of African-Americans, mostly women, met for a Bible study. And a young white man decided to go and attend the study. So this white man is greeted at the door as a white man and is welcomed in. And they love that they're, they're here, you know, have some cookies. Have a, do, you want a, do you want a tea? Sit with us. Come and learn about this Jesus. We'll welcome you into our church, which literally has the name African in the name. Come join us. This man sits through the entire Bible study until they reach a time of prayer. And in an act of darkness and evil, when the people close their eyes to pray, he pulls out a gun and murders nine of those individuals at this church where there be blood-stained carpets and grief that weeps endlessly. Where an entire city is changed overnight. Nine dead. Mothers. Sisters. Daughters. Slain. Pretty full-on stuff. How could anything good come from that? That's part of this world's identity. Darkness, evil, brokenness, acts of violence, sin, mistake, mortality, death, pain, grief. That's part of this world's identity. So how could these people possibly respond? Well, it was beautiful. I don't know how, but they were able to respond in forgiveness. 
the man certainly is, um, had justice come about in the, in the court system, which is always good. I think justice is important. But the people of the community acted in forgiveness, in graciousness. And they've continued to open up their church and let new people in. And so my favourite worship band at the moment, Maverick City Music, got in touch with the church and got the church choirs and recorded an entire album in the exact spot where nine people were slain in an act of evil. And one of the songs they sing is, Fear is not my future. And it's this line, Death is not the end, you are. And they record this album, they record this song with the actual uh, choirs from this church. People from this church who have been through grief, loss, pain, get up and sing a song like, Death is not the end, you are. And I would actually, it, it goes for nine minutes on YouTube, but I'd love you to sit and watch this um, video for a bit. So Sam, if we have that. This is a beautiful song. And I don't know what it would feel like to be an African-American singing a song like that in that building and inviting white brothers and sisters to sing it with you. <laughs> the, the most emotional part about this song for me is I know churches often hire out their venues. So in essence, this church has hired out their venue to Maverick City Music. But what I know is there's probably a couple of pastors at that church, maybe a caretaker, maybe a, uh, maybe a receptionist, who I have no doubt in my mind might be sitting up the back of the room, you know, just popping their head in seeing what's going on in their church. You can imagine like a few of the church members sitting in the back row as these guys sing, death is not the end, you are. Doesn't that take an incredible amount of hope? Isn't it beautiful that our identity is in Christ? There is a great future, a great future. So, Ash Wednesday. Uh, growing up, we did this every 46 days before Easter. And, uh, you know, it reminds me that I am mortal. I'm not God. I am but dust. And it reminds me that I am a sinner. I make mistakes. I'm a quote-unquote pastor here at this church, but, oh, I've made some mistakes. In my past... Sometimes, as I live and breathe, and probably into the future, I know that I am broken. But I also know that my faith in the cross gives me a new identity. I know that death is not the end. Christ is an eternity with him and so I could walk around this all day remembering well I am mortal I'm but dust remembering that I need to repent and change and humble myself before God God you are 
the Lord of the universe. And I'm just a guy who makes mistakes, who steps on a prickle every now and then. But I also know that I am a new creation in Christ and that is my identity. And that is your identity. Yeah, Tonk, you're just a bit of dust, brother. It's all good. Just a bit of dust, man. You know, and you make mistakes, but you're a new creation in Christ. Understand? Henry, it's very rare, but I've heard you play wrong chords on the guitar. And sometimes at the most awkward moments. <laughs> but we all make mistakes, bro. <laughs> you are a new creation in Christ. Hmm? Each one of you, yeah, you're dust. And to dust you'll return, often said at a funeral. And yeah, you're a sinner, you make mistakes. And it's very important to humble yourself and turn back to God. But you are a new creation in Christ. The cross has set you free. And not only the cross, but the resurrection. Christ died to sin, and when he raised, rose to life, you also rose to life. So, my final slide here is, uh, says, you are dust, and to dust you will return, but death is not the end. Your identity is in Christ. Today, I'm going to offer you an early mark because it's 5.56. And we did all our worship songs at the beginning. But, if you would like to take part in this tradition on the completely wrong day, my Lutheran grandmother is rolling over in her grave then uh, I want to invite you to come and get some dust on your forehead. Now, you may go and wash it off straight away, but it's deeply symbolic. And if you are to come up the front and get some ash on your forehead, I want it to be a symbol of you remembering, yeah, this body of mine is mortal. And yes, I'm a sinner who makes mistakes and I want to humbly come before God. But I also know that my new identity is in Christ. I am a new creation. And I have no doubt there are people in this room who need to recognize that deeply today. And sometimes tradition and symbolism helps us connect with that on a deep and true level. And if you are one of those people, and it might only be one of you, it might be two of you, it might be three of you. If you do, I'm going to uh, dip my thumb in the dust. And I want to make the sign of a cross on your forehead. And I'm going to say these words, you were dust and to dust you will return, but death is not the end. Your identity is in Christ, which is my modern version of what my Lutheran pastor would used to say to me. Uh, or maybe you just want to sit in the room and just remember these things. Uh, would your week ahead be blessed? But if you would like to take part in a tradition that has been done for well over, for a very long time, then I invite you and you can, as you walk out, you can dust it off. But it's a deeply symbolic spiritual thing and um, I'd love to say these words to you and encourage you in your faith in Christ. But I know it's awkward, so it might only be one or two of you, but I encourage you. Sometimes tradition can be a powerful thing.
This has been a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. To continue the conversation, we invite you to join us Sundays at 9.30am and 5pm or on our website at www.nvbc.info.